Holy is your name, Father. Thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you because you are who you are. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, the opportunity for us to be here this morning. I want to thank you especially for the staff, the church staff, that every morning, every Sunday morning, they wake up early just to serve you, Lord. I bless in your name their lives. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for every single family that puts an effort every Sunday or during the week to make this happen. I ask Holy Spirit for your presence. Show us what you want us to see and hear. In the name of Jesus. Gracias, Padre. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to OTC Church. All of you online and in the park, this is a beautiful morning. We don't have a lot of smoke. Hopefully, it will stay this way during the day. I'm so happy to be here with you all. I'm Alex Garcia. Most of you know me. Me and my family have been in OTC for a few years now, and I'm so happy and honored to share with you what God has put in my heart. God's gift to mankind is salvation to Jesus. And this is by God's grace. And one way we can feel this sacrifice more close to us is by putting this closer to our human experience. There's an old story about a man by the name of John Griffith, who lived in Oklahoma in 1929. He had lost all he had in the, sec in the stock market crash. He moved to Mississippi where he took a job as a bridge operator for a railroad trestle. In 1937, he was involved in a horrible accident. One day, his eight-year-old son, Greg, spent the day with his dad at work. The boy poked around the office and asked dozens of questions, just as little boys do. The bridge was over a river, and whenever a ship came, John had to open the bridge to allow the ship to pass. The day the boy was there with his father, a ship was coming, so John opened up the drawbridge. After a moment or two, he realized his son wasn't in the office, and he looked around. To his horror, John saw his son climbing around on the gears of the draw bridge. He hurried outside to rescue his son, but just then he heard a fast approaching passenger train, the Memphis Express, filled with 400 people. He yelled to his son, but the noise of the now clearing ship and the oncoming train made it impossible for the boy to hear him. All of a sudden, John Griffith realized this horrible dilemma. If he took the time to rescue his son, the train will crash, killing all aboard. But if he closed the bridge, the boy will be crushed in the gears. John will sacrifice his son. He made the horrible decision, pulled the lever, and close the bridge. It is said, as the train, train went by, 
John could see the faces of the passengers, some reading, some even waving, all of them oblivious to the sacrifice that had just been made for them. God the Father experienced this sacrifice by giving his only son. But this was no accident. As God has planned for this since he created us. You know, since the beginning, it was God's plan to send his son to die on the cross for the sins of mankind. God knew before he laid the foundations of the world that man will sin and perish without his help. Therefore, he prepared a plan of salvation, a way for us to be reconciled with God through his son, Jesus Christ, our only mediator and predecessor. We read in 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 20, but the, with, with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And as Jesus was no accidental victim, he chose to lay down his love, his sacrificial love for you. We can read this in John verse 17 to 18, chapter 10. I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my accord. This is Jesus giving his life for us. Let's pause a moment and think about this. How much God loves us, giving his only son for you and me. And I want to ask you something. Think about this. If you were the father, God the father, would you send your son to die for people who reject, deny, and dishonor you? That's what we do. And if you were God the Son, would you sweat up in human flesh and come down and suffer the indignities that Jesus suffered for people who didn't even hurt, didn't even earn or deserve this? Our salvation comes from God's grace. And there is nothing that we could have done to deserve this gift of salvation. We cannot become holy on our own. Only God, through His holy mercy, whose, his, whose love and His grace, He is able to bring us back to His presence. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul, in chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, he says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So then why is it not possible to be reconciled to God by your own efforts, your own works? We live under a new covenant, the covenant of grace. And a covenant is a commitment made from God to men. And we read in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, people, stories of men and women trying to obey God 
and failing all over again. And if you think about your life, how many times have you known what the right thing is and you didn't do that right thing? How many times have you struggled to keep your faith in obedience? This reveals what Paul explains in Romans 7, how sin has so infected us that we on our own do not have the power to obey God consistently and faithfully. In Luke chapter 18, verse 13, we read a tax collector claiming to Jesus, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And you know, the difference from the Old Testament and the New Testament is that Jesus has provided the way to the Father, and it is by faith only that we can access His grace. The grace that you, me, and everybody needs after Adam. This covenant of grace promises eternal life for all people who have faith in Christ. Eternal life that reunites us to God. And we keep looking at Paul's letters in Romans. He says, he, he actually confirms that we are not living in this new law anymore, the old covenant, but more under God's grace. And in Romans, he says, chapter 6, verse 14, for sin has, sorry, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. God's grace means that we have restored, we have been restored to God, despite our sin records, by God's great gift and grace toward us, Jesus' loving sacrifice for our sins. In this same letter, in the next chapter, Paul talks about sin still being part of our lives. Chapter 7, verses 22-23, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of mankind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And that's us, prisoners, being liberated only by Jesus. And even though we have been saved by grace and we are still sinners, we can still abuse that grace. We know God loves us. We know Jesus' sacrifice is there and He will forgive us every time we repent. Have you asked yourself a question? Can we abuse that grace? Have you felt like you're abusing that grace? I feel this is something we do Christians, followers of Jesus do sometimes. We fall into sin just knowing God will forgive us. We can step into sin thinking that we can get away with it because we know. We know God. We know the truth. God's love and His mercy. But instead, if we go to the scripture, God clearly calls you and me to be holy and perfect. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. 
verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. God paid a high price to save you from our sins. And he's saying, get out of sin. And God knows your weakness, my weakness. He is patient. And he wants you to make progress because sin harms and destroys. God works with us, with you and me, to help us grow in holiness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Make every effort. This is a standard that is high, but it's a good standard. And we're probably not going to be 100% under the sun before we go to heaven. But make every effort to be holy. Make every effort to obey God. Make every effort to follow Him. And I know we sometimes avoid turning to God because we feel shame. Sin does that to our lives. It grows in our spirit and blocks us from turning to God. And at the end, you know God will forgive us, but the reality is that we can spend our lives repenting, but will we have enough time to truly from our hearts ask forgiveness and really make every effort to try to be like Jesus? He set a high standard, but he knew we can follow him. Today, that can be the day that we turn into God. Maybe we have done that before, but we can go back to him and say, hey, I need you because I want to do every effort I can to get this sin out of my life. And what happens when I just don't feel like loving? What happens when, you know, I'm tired? I know what the right thing to do is, but I just, I'm just tired. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. I'm not in the mood. I don't know if you feel like that. Sometimes I do. Our love batteries are drained. Our bodies, our minds are tired. There's a lot of things going on around us. You know, I come every Sunday and I see you guys. I hear God's word. I hear the worship team. And I recharge my battery every single Sunday I come here. It's like a new start for me. But then Monday hits. Then Thursday. Then work, exercise, school. It's overwhelming. By Thursday, I'm just exhausted. I, and I notice. I just don't feel like doing the right thing. I just go by default. And I've done something that helps me, and I want to share with you. And this is something Wayne told a few weeks ago. It helps pausing, stopping, and just recognizing and knowledge that you're sad, that you're tired, that you need God. And just stop what you're doing and think about this. Remember God's grace. Remembers, remember Jesus' sacrifice. Remember, we're loved. And that alone might help to start. 
and then count your blessings. What do you have? Where you are? What are you looking forward to? What is God telling you to do? Do you need to go back to scriptures? Do you need to listen to this podcast, to this worship song? If we go back to the story of John Griffith, I want to ask you this. What will happen if you were one of the 400 passengers and his son for you? What would you do if he, you see John Griffith here in the park? When I wrote this, I knew. I will want to go to John and say, hey, I don't know what I will say, but I will try to make him feel that I am grateful. That his sacrifice was not, not worth it. That will make me be, try to be a better person. Just for John to know, hey, this was worth it. You know, you saved me. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to try to do a change. I'm going to live with purpose just because you're looking at me. You're seeing what I'm doing. I'm the one you saved because of your child died for me. So I want to be better because I want to show you he died for a purpose and it was worth it. Can we do that with God? Can we do the same? Can we turn to him and say, hey, God, your sacrifice, it's worth it. I'm going to make every effort. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to do every effort. I'm going to go back to scripture. I know I'm going to fall, but you're there. I don't want to abuse grace. I want to be diligent and intentional following you. And this is exactly how we avoid abusing grace. By being intentional, diligent, trying to honor God every day. Now, what about the consequences of sin? When we sin, and we actually sinned last week, it didn't change our standing before God. If we have turned to God and we received His sacrifice, we have been put in right standing with God. Jesus accomplished that for us. But the consequences of sin remains, even though they are forgiven. In the letter for Galatians, Chapter 6, verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. All sin, large or small, known or hidden, leads to death. And here are some consequences, some examples of consequences that we can think of. The first one is kind of a stream, a large scene and a stream one. Let's say someone commits adultery and there's a break in trust that is not repairable. And then marriage suffers. Trust takes a long time to rebuild. And this leads to divorce, separation. Kids, families suffer consequences. There might be smaller, as we call them, scenes. And I want to share something personal today about a consequence of sin. We had family visiting 
from Mexico last month. And my wife's sister and her two daughters, who were actually eight and six year old at the time, they visited from Mexico. And it was, we planned this whole uh, couple of weeks to go out and have fun. And it was actually the second day that they were here. And just as we arrived home, and we were uh, loading up uh, down the, the van, and I was just looking at all the trash that accumulated over the trip, and I was picking up some food containers and garbage and all that, I didn't notice, but I was, I was mad. I was, I was tired. I was not in my best mood. I was not loving. I was not patient. And then I found this lollipop in the trunk. And I knew one of my, one, uh, one of my uh, nieces, she was eating this lollipop before. So I knew it was her. So I asked her, hey, I found this in the trunk. Why did you put this in the trunk? Why didn't you put it in the right place? But I was not being patient or loving. And anybody noticed, everybody noticed except me. She started crying. And I felt terrible. Because just then, I wow, OK, what happened? I'm excited. I'm happy because they're here. I have all this plan in my head. And now I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, being loving. And then my wife comes and she says, hey, why do you do this? This is the only thing that she will forget about the trip. And that crushed me. And that night I was praying and I asked God, why? I mean, why am I still not able to obey you, follow you, honor you? And that's his consequence. Because this girl, even though I asked for forgiveness and I tried to make amends, for the rest of the trip, harm was done. The consequences of all sins, large or small, are real. Sin leads to death. That's why God came to save us from it. That's why God calls us to get out of it. I'd like to talk about King Solomon. King Solomon, he was the richest, wisest man on earth. And he conducted a, a lot of experiments during his lifetime. If we can read that in Ecclesiastes, a book that I really enjoy reading. And he concluded that being obedient to God was the only honorable, worth thing to do on earth under the sun. He said that the duty of mankind is fearing God and keeping his commandments. And Ecclesiastes, he wrote, chapter 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the duty of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Church, being obedient to God makes for a better line here on earth. We know we're going to spend our life in eternity with God. But obeying God is going to make our lives better. In the uh, Luke uh, chapter 11, verses 27 to 28, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, 
Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Solomon said that everything we do under the sun is vanity. Everything we do under the sun is vanity, except for honoring God. And following Jesus' commandments, love one another. I want to wrap up with Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I encourage you to spend more time making every effort to honor God. Remember his gift, Jesus' sacrifice. Remember his mercy, his grace. We can be safe, a safe person for other people to come to us. They can share their temptations, they can share the struggles, and we can talk about that without condemnation, without judgment. Let's make every effort every day, church. Let's be vulnerable about our struggles and ask God for help. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for giving us this way, the way to the Father. Lord, we need you every day. We know what is right. And instead, sometimes we do what we shouldn't. I ask you to give us that with your Holy Spirit filling us every day, Lord, that every time that we look upon you, you know that we will be needing you. So that's why we, every time we turn to you, we know you're going to be there, Father. I just ask you to bless this morning. All the families are represented here. All the wishes, all the struggles, all the challenges that every, every one of us are facing, Lord. I want to put them in front of you. You're better in handling these things. So God, in the holy name of Jesus Christ, I ask you for guidance, wisdom. Church, we have the prayer team at the gazebo. If you need some prayer, have a wonderful day.